Yes, we are back. Unlocked football here again. Um, as we said last time, man, it's getting colder. It's Canada, but we're here. The show must go on. So always aiming to add value. And today's guest will do just that. Um, so this this individual's worked with Toronto FC players, with Toronto FC as well in 2019. MLS players, NHL players, MLB players of so many different athletic abilities. Um, and also now training the next generation of athletes as well. So players of all ages, showing them proper training habits, proper techniques, and is just really knowledgeable on fitness in general and, you know, knows a lot more than I could even begin in the intro. So I'll let him talk about it. But this is my guy, also my brother. So there's that my as guy. well. Mo, thanks for coming on, man. Zachary, let's hit it. My, my guy, thanks for having me here today. Um, it's going to be a pleasure diving into all this stuff. It's going to be fun covering uh, what I'm really passionate about, yeah. you know, strength and conditioning. This is kind of what I live and breathe now. I've been doing it for about 15 years. And uh, I don't see myself stopping anytime soon, all right? Can't stop, won't stop. That's, that's the mentality. That's it, man. And that's how I've always, always known you, passionate. So I just want to ask to start, what makes you so passionate about what you do, especially as it pertains to soccer? But, you know, all sports, like you said, you, you dive into all sports. So what makes you so passionate about this and helping athletes? You know, I grew up playing all sports. Uh, you know, growing up in Canada, you're exposed in the elementary school system to all different kinds of sports. You know, I love competing. I loved having fun. I wanted to be out there, whether it was basketball, soccer, or football, as we call it, mm -hmm. hockey, um, you name it, dodgeball, volleyball, slow pitch. I was wanting to be involved in all sports. And something that I took away from sport was skill training. You know, you can always refine your skills through repetition. Practice, practice, you always talk about practice. And that's just one part of it. That's for you to get good at the game or good at the sport. Yeah. But your body also needs that practice or training. I looked at all the idols or, or mentors that I've had in fitness, and some of them are, are celebrities, guys like Bruce Lee, right? People don't understand that the nuggets that those idols or, or mentors have dropped, they'll last forever mm -hmm. because they've done some things that have really shaped the industry. And in strength and conditioning, it's that way. There's traditional methods. There's always going to be novelty, new things that come out. But the tried and tested methods, they're the ones that I, I want to search and continue digging into because there's still a lot written on you know top level performance in different parts of the world you want to be able to embrace the cultural diversity in training because different cultures train differently facts and in canada that's one of the things that i was exposed to was sport but then getting into the weight room and getting on the field and and seeing how you know wrestlers train at a young age through my schooling academy at pickering high school working with guys like uh, Martini, who was a, a football coach mm -hmm. at Pickering, you know, they were winning Offsa, Lassa, having those top competitions at an early age and watching what was going on. I was an assistant, my co-op education, actually, I'm from Pickering High. Mm -hmm. That's where I did my high school and work. And Mr. Parfit was the top basketball coach in the country at the time. You know, he helped shape some of the guys that, um, you know, put Canada basketball on the map, like Corey Joseph with the Raptors, who eventually played and he yeah, got traded. But big players, though. Yeah, so watching these guys at an early age, I, I wanted to see what they were doing. And we came from a school or a high school of intensity where I know the coach demanded results. And I'm a results-based person. There's not a time where I'm not curious. I think the main thing is I always want to stay curious. You know, want to find the truth. I think that's kind of what pushes me on because there's so many methods. You can easily pop on your Instagram and you're going to see so fitness influencers saying, do this, do that. This yeah. is how you should train. 
it's hard for the athlete. They're gonna be like, what do I actually need to do to, to see the, the result? Do I follow mm-hmm. this person? Do I follow this person? Let me ask you this then, because before we go into the method, as there's so many, um, but th- different techniques, what would you say to a young uh, athlete? Because we have a lot of young audience members. A young athlete that you know, sees people working out in the gym, he wants to get stronger, he or she wants to get stronger, goes into the gym, not really knowing what to do. What would you say to them to, as they enter the gym and as they go into strength and conditioning? I think you have to be open to learning. That's mm-hmm. the main. But when you learn, and just like football and training, yeah. you're going to build habits right off the bat. I want to seek learning from those that actually have results. You know, when I started out, I was also kind of confused. I was like, okay, for first times in the gym, I remember that. I'm a coach now and, you know, established with the, with the clientele, t- testimonials, things like that now. But when I first started out as just a member of a gym, it was like, okay, what do I do? But I had to seek from who I thought knew best. Yeah. Right? So I did some homework. I wanted to understand the methods of training. It might have been bodybuilding initially. Right? Aesthetics training. That was yeah. the craze back in the day. Right? Everyone was pushing that. It might be still something now, but that's not what an athlete needs. To bulk up like that, right? It's it not- could be a part of their training. Mm-hmm. It could be useful. Depends on, again, the physique of the athlete, the position that they play. Yes. It has a, a part that it can influence in their game. Depends but on the sport too, right? Exactly. But it's not a be-all and end-all of the training. Okay. They need to seek what kind of training do they really need to enhance their sport. And the training that we do, uh, I work at a facility, LPS Athletic Center. Yes. We like to stick to the basics. Yeah. All right? Strength and conditioning principles that are revolve around a foundation of strength. And also body weight movements like running throwing jumping those are functional movements the human body needs to be able to do your body's exposed to so many forces when you're doing those movements running throwing and jumping you can progress those with loads you can progress the difficulty levels of those things whether it's again single leg double leg you know Mm -hmm. there's ways to make things more challenging yes but the frequency in the training the commitment to actually wanting to get better at the basics, the, the proven basics. From there, get into expanding the, the bases and you know, testing the waters, seeing what works for you. I think that's a big thing for me. I had to try. I never really took it as just theory because I went to school. Yeah. I went to University of Waterloo for my bachelor's in kinesiology. Eventually did my master's at University of Toronto in kinesiology, sports-specific training. I did internships, right? Toronto FC in 2019. I've worked with uh, LPS Athletics and I currently work with them now. Um, and that's a big thing for me, is just wanting to learn from different people, doctors, therapists, sports medicine doctors, looking at physio, uh, rehab specialists. I'm a fascial stretch therapist myself, so I do on the table work. Yeah. And I take a look at you know, mobility approaches in helping individuals you know, unlock parts of their body so they can move better. 100%. And you're really devoted, man. I've known this, since, like I said, since we met. We actually met at a gym. I was a personal trainer back in the day, and Mo was a manager and also trainer at that gym. So we met then, and ever since then, since I met him, he's been devoted to fitness, strength, and conditioning. Um, I want to ask, as we get into kind of techniques, what is the importance, especially for soccer players, what in these is the importance of weight and strength training? as it pertains to performance and then also injury prevention. What we know is weak and fragile things break. That's, that's, that's a fact, right? Yeah. Weak okay. things break. Weak things break. So 
I think a lot of the, what you asked earlier, just to touch on that last question that you had, what would I tell, you know, someone starting off fresh? Yeah. Is that you need to get stronger. Mm-hmm. As Clance Layler, my mentor at, at the gym at OPS Athletic Center says, it's, you know, don't come at me and tell me that strength is not important. All right. Strength is 100% important in sport. If you think otherwise, you're getting it twisted. Like that's, it plays a crucial role. Yeah. It's a foundation. Yeah, yeah. It's the mother of all qualities. Skills we know has its special place. You need to be skilled. All right, the athletes that are highly skilled, we rate that because that's that's got its own special era. And, yeah, and, and you know the area of skills training, you have to be tackling that as an athlete. Hundred percent. That's your devotion to the game. And every sport is a bit different now. Soccer, we're seeing that physical um, physical players and like high physicality is becoming prominent in the game. Players are stronger, faster, fitter. Skills equivalent, I'm taking the stronger and faster athlete every time if the school skills are matching. Mm-hmm. That's it. What about a player who, you know, is in the gym? Of course, they have technical ability, but they're in the gym getting stronger. But they don't have the physical, um, I would say, ability that, you know, some people have from birth. So they don't have natural ability of speed, natural strength. Is this something they could still build? And how do they go about that? getting faster and stronger. Before I got into fitness, man, this is a little personal journey. I was hospitalized on 119 pounds with a digestive concern at the time that I didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, when I got out of the hospital and I realized what my body was telling me, you know, I wasn't eating properly, my nutrition was off, my sleep may have been off. I was not in the right environments to really get the best out of my genetic potential. Everyone has a genetic potential, born with different kind of fiber types. For example, you might have more fast twitch fibers than myself. Some people are more adapted to that endurance style of training where, you know, they're more slow, slower twitch fibers in their mm-hmm. body, their makeup. Yes. But the body adapts to stimulus and to training. Okay. If you train a proper way or the way that you intend to reflect the goals that you want, your body can change. And there is a potential ceiling. That's why we call it the genetic potential. Yes. But most people are not even tapping into that hundred percent of their potential probably not even 80 90 percent of that potential because of the the inconsistencies in their training Mm -hmm. and or not knowing what to do is this involved is this uh the physical side speed strength or is this you're talking about genetics as well or it's all interconnected i'm talking about strength and power training right okay if you are very strong you may be strong and slow yes Right? See that there's a, a potential. Lot, right? There's a potential to be very strong where someone, let's say, has a big gym lift, but they're slow. Right. There's also the other end of the pe- spectrum where someone's just training velocity. They might move very quickly or move, let's say, an external load quickly with maximal velocity that they can handle, but they're not strong. Right. The idea of power is combining those elements, strength and speed. Mm-hmm. When you combine those two together, that's what becomes dangerous. That's how you become explosive. It's basic physics, right? Yeah. We have masses and we try to accelerate them. We need the forces to be able to produce those kind of accelerations if our masses. So do you think every type of player should be doing similar workouts or is it should it be tailored? For example, in football we have player like Neymar, skinny, super fast, super technical, but skinny. Strength is probably very low mm-hmm. compared to someone like Ibrahimovic, who's a bit slower, but relies on his physical ability especially now at his age right he's very strong so would their workouts be different i think the way that i can answer this question is everyone wants to separate the realms of performance and injury prevention but we have to understand is those two things are actually very much united we train the principles 
The principles are we train heavy, we train hard, frequently, and to full range of motion. Okay. These principles need to be ingrained in the exercises that are being done. Now, what let's say someone like Zlatan is doing in terms of maybe the intensity and volume, it may vary depending on his capacity, what he can handle. Yeah. We're trying to push those barriers and push the limits so that your capacity grows each time. So we have to keep reintroducing that stimulus with the proper principles in mind. And then the organism or the body adapts. Right? The organism that fine-tuned yeah. species, right? It's just fine-tuned. You adapt, you throw the stimulus at it, and what happens? It adapts, it adapts, it adapts. Mm -hmm. If the stimulus is too large at once, what happens? Well, it, it breaks down, down yeah. or it dies. Right? So it's adapt or die kind of mentality. But it has to be set in place from a young age. That's why we work with the youth. Okay. Okay, that's why youth athletes for me are very important athletes. I train young footballers right now. I work with TFC, Toronto FC Academy players still. Mm -hmm. I've worked with individual academies from other leagues. Milton, Mississauga, and Vaughn. I've worked with many different players, even OPDL players, that are looking to get to that next level. But I tell them, having that strength training, that speed training, that's the competitive advantage for them. Yeah. Because their skills are going to be something that they're working on their whole life. 100%. Now, why leave this piece out Right, you yeah. can't leave any, you can't leave any corners untouched. You gotta look for all the ways to get better as an athlete so that you get that spot. T touching on that because I know you mentioned to me you have players. You mentioned the soccer players just now, but you have players of many different sports. Can you touch on the importance of being able to be a multi-sport athlete at a young age, growing up playing diverse sports? You know, not just soccer, not just hockey, but diversifying. Yeah, diversification in sports is hands down, I think personally, based on my experiences, one of the most critical things for a youth athlete. When you get exposed to sports, different sports, you start learning different things. You learn how to use both limbs, left, right, hands, lower body, legs. Start using your eyes better. I grew up in playing Chinese ping pong academy in Scarborough at a very young age. I really feel that that has improved my ability to track objects and track a ball. I've yeah. seen that with some of the youth athletes I work with now. Some of the Asian footballers that I work with, very great eye tracking, good juggling abilities to compared to some of the Canadian board players. Yes. That's right? interesting, yeah. And that's just their ability to track the ball is just by you know being exposed to something like ping pong or table tennis. Mm -hmm. They're getting that repetitive stimulus over and over and over. I've seen that, you know, I have a nephew, I told, asked him to catch a ball, he doesn't play ping pong, hasn't really touched the ball in different ways with his hands, Yeah. he really struggles to catch the ball initially. You throw it up, can't catch, throw it up, can't. what happens when you keep doing it, the body adapts, it learns. Yeah. The brain is part of training, yeah. you gotta train the brain. The brain is the nervous system, part of it, right? Mm -hmm. It sends the signal for your body to do. And if you're constantly training that through all the different sports, you know, like I said, I mentioned some of the sports earlier, but if you're playing multiple sports, you're going to adapt some skills that are unique and versatile across all the sports. And I think in soccer or football, like you want to have awareness. You want to have that ability to track not just the ball, but understand space. Knowing that your vision is something that you're going to rely on to understand distance yeah. between defenders, etc. That's why I think... Think back to elementary school. You ever play uh, football or tag football? Yeah, play football. That's an amazing way to just have some fun and get some conditioning in. 
Hundred percent. Right? Yeah. You're evading individuals. It's so simple. We do that in a gym environment. We set up ways for athletes to compete. All right. We throw. I I have videos of us doing uh, doing it with some of the pro guys and semi pro athletes and rec athletes. I'm here. I got a dodgeball. They show up. They're like, Oh, what does play mean in my program? I finished all my strength work. They see in there. What does play mean? We got. I got play. It says I got to play in my program. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, yo, be ready for anything. Get them on the platform, grab the dodgeballs. Okay, now dodge this. Something different. Just react. Yeah. So their ability to evade and move into spaces and understand, I think, the cognitive aspects of training that your body learns over time, these are key. It's, it's, it comes from repetition. Again, the power of repetition is huge. That's huge, man. You talked about adaptive, adaptability, adaptability as well, right? So you do these different things and your body over time adapts to the different stimulus. I want to touch on diet. For me, that's an interesting one. I've played with different types of players who some take extreme care of their body in terms of their diet and what they intake, water, um, everything like that, protein intake. And then I've had some who are on the opposite end of the spectrum. Believe it or not, they, you know, they're eating. I had a player who uh, he used to eat, you know, the pogo sticks before the day before games, eating the pogo sticks for dinner. And I'm thinking. For me, just from a mental standpoint too, if I eat crap and I go into a match the next day, I'm thinking, oh, I didn't take care of my body. So there's that. But then also my body just feels better when I eat better, eat healthier and take care of it. Can you just touch on the importance of a proper diet for an, you know, an athlete that plays at a high level? Okay, when people talk about diet, I'm gonna back this up a little bit. I'm gonna start getting into the realm of recovery and performance. Perfect. Okay, so you got to recover to perform. So action article that I'm writing, mm -hmm. um, it should be out soon, and then we can tag the link and get people mm -hmm. on that so they can kind of learn a little bit more about the methods. But I'm going to sum it up for you. All right, in order to recover, the most important thing an athlete needs is what? Good nutrition or that's rest? What, that's what everyone thinks. Nutrition comes number two. I would think mind. one of those two. So sleep is number one. Okay. Got to get your sleep on point. So for anyone listening there, if you're a young athlete, you get to bed late, you're waking up early, you're exposing yourself to blue light, playing video games, yeah. you can do that during the day. But once it comes time to sleep, you need a regimen. Your body is a routine, uh, routine organism. Okay. Right? We like to have biological processes that happen in the body, sleep basically is um you could you can there's endless studies on sleep they still mm -hmm. haven't learned all the facets of sleep in this day and age now they're still learning about the importance of sleep and what it actually does to the body but one thing they know is it's important it's the most important yeah it's you can't get away from that but i'm saying they're still finding out things about sleep that impact the body on the global level there's so many things that happen during that time yeah in terms of tissue recovery toxin um release things like that in terms of clearing out the body in terms of also making sure your cognitive functions are, are at the peak, yeah. right? So sleep is a major one. But then comes nutrition, and they go hand in hand. If you're eating well, typically, you're gonna see that the gut-brain access is well-nourished, okay? The brain and the gut, are, they work together. Yeah. There's more nerve endings in your gut, actually, than in your brain, all right? So the gut is, that's why they call it the second brain. And what's the importance of that, the gut? Sorry, what was it? The gut-brain axis. Yeah, gut. what's the importance of that? Basically, it's saying that the gut can facilitate how we feel, can process our emotions, mm -hmm. and influence our body's recovery processes. All right, so even if you look at an individual that, let's say, is not stressed versus stressed, mm -hmm. stress alone in their emotional stress or in their personal life 
can impact their digestion. Yeah. That can then impact their recovery. So nutrition is one thing, yes, in terms of what you're consuming, but then the quality of your digestion. And the, they, they, I'll, go, I'll go to the Chinese proverb, all right? You're as fit as your legs, you're as strong as your back, and you're as healthy as your gut, all right? Mm. That's huge for me because I used to have gut issues. And I didn't understand them that well until I really poured my heart into learning this because I realized how important my health was to me. And I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to live by example. So I had to learn. And if I typed in a Google search and try to learn about nutrition, everyone is saying something different. You should be a carnivore, eat meat. Veganism is great. There's mm -hmm. gonna be different kind of ideas and philosophies on what is better. Yeah. But I learned for myself following a herbal pathway a homeopathic pathway on what works best for my body. But what I understand from a nutritional standpoint, I need my micronutrients. I need my vitamins. I need my minerals. Mm -hmm. I want to get those things from food. All right. It's important that I get them naturally as best as possible. Yeah. I will take supplements in certain ways if I feel like I'm not getting adequate, uh, adequate amounts from my food. From food, yeah. Because of either the type of ingredients, either where they're coming from, if it's organic versus not, you know, there's going to be different, um, different limitations for each person I guess when it comes to grocery shopping yeah, and the true. types of foods that they can buy because we want to be real especially in this day and age not everyone can afford like uh, the most expensive items in a grocery store 100% but that doesn't mean that you cannot find a well-balanced meal mm -hmm. all right I look at protein fats and carbs I do care about my macronutrients as well right how many calories I'm getting the timing of those calories is important yeah when I'm you know in taking my water how much water am I taking I'm a 180 pound male Right? I need to be taking a certain amount of water. I aim for four to five liters a day. Electrolytes, salt, as basic as it gets. You know, they can sell you all the Gatorade, but having the basic food. elements to get your muscle functioning, yeah. having salt, being hydrated, coconut water, getting your potassium in, right? You see in athletes in, uh, in different academies. I know when I worked at TFC um, in 2019, they'd have athletes drinking the beet juice. Yeah, right. I used to do the beat juice right. too beet before juice, matches. Right? I did, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you've been exposed to some of these things yourself, right? Oh, yeah. Having a pickle juice on the side, you see some athletes for doing cramping, that for cramping. Yeah, because it's right? just salt. Yeah. Just making sure they have enough of that mineral mm. so that the body is functioning. I personally do something called intermittent fasting. I believe in it because it's worked for my gut health and making okay. sure that I stay primed. Right. So I eat in a specific window of time. Mm -hmm. 16 hours I don't eat. I can drink water in that time or have herbal teas but no calories that's a long time so 16 hours of no eating and eight hours of eating i've been doing it for a few years i feel great and that works for you hey i did my body fat percentage test and again uh, we do that at our facility using biosignature i started at the facility lps athletic around 15.6 percent body fat my last measurement a couple weeks ago i got it down to 9.8 percent i recently read a study it said that pro football players should have 8 to 12% body fat. So I fit right in the middle. Oh, so you're right in there. Right in that range. Let me ask you this. We, we're touching on diet. What can a player, young player, do today to better their diet? What can they do? Um, yeah, maybe it's something they yeah. look at eating more of or less of. Like yeah. What can they do today to okay. look at improving their diet? So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to start with carbohydrates. Okay, right? perfect. Carbohydrates always looked at as the enemy in, in, uh, in certain fitness realms. All right, too much carbs is going to get you fat, right? That's what we hear. This is just, I'm just breaking down some of these general things that I hear in the media. Yeah. Or at least that's pushed on to some of the kids. They think restrictive eating that way is going to be beneficial. When your body is growing as a youth athlete, 
Carbohydrate, specifically complex carbohydrate, are massive in muscle development and tissue development. All right? Mm -hmm. If you are under eating or you're starving your body, you're actually limiting the growth process because why does the body need energy? What is it gonna do? If you took away some of the energy, put your body in starvation mode, what is your body able to always do? Locomotion, move from A to B, mm. all right? We are bipedal yeah. species. We are moving from A to B. That's what we're adapted to do. So that is always what our energy reserves will be for us to move. Okay. Okay, so if we're not eating enough or the right things, specifically having enough energy, I'll call all food fuel in this case. Yeah. Because we know we put premium fuel, fuel in the, in the car. That's true, like gas, yeah. All right, just like a premium car, for, you know, right? you got premium fuel. Mm-hmm. Got to look at having enough fuel to get from A to B. Okay. And uh, if you limit your body's fuel, what it will do is it won't stop from going to A to B. That's how the body works. But what it's going to do is it's going to use its own resources, its own fats, its own muscle tissue will break down so that you can still get from A to B to, to create locomotion. Mm. But what will it stunt? Your growth. You're going to lose growth, weight, reproduction. It's going to shut down some of the other things. Yeah. So that it ensures that it can do what it needs to do. So I'm sure to an the answer to that isn't as simple as eat more. No, definitely calories in, calories out approach is not going to be the best way to go. Right. It can be useful. I use those methods mm -hmm. to understanding how to make small tweaks. Okay. But I think eating a balanced meal in terms of ensuring I have protein in my diet and the right kinds, right? Mm -hmm. High quality protein. Making sure I get the right fats in the system. Yes. You know, coconut oil, avocado oil. I'm just going to throw out some ingredients for people that are listening that might be interested. I do a lot of nuts, yeah. right? I eat a lot of nuts. I make nut shakes, right? Cashews, almond peanut, butter, cashews, peanut. Yeah, I almonds. blend it all together. I eat a lot of nuts, healthy fats. Yeah. Take a little bit longer to break down, but give you fuel for, you know, more sustained energy. Okay. I stay away from simple sugars unless I need them right away. For example, it's great to have... Let's say some berries or bananas at halftime, mm -hmm. right? You're really hungry. You don't want it to sit in the stomach, but you need that emergency quick Something, fuel because yeah. you're feeling really low. Let's get that blood sugar back up. I love to use fruit for that. Uh, okay. Right? So but that's I not a myth. Yeah. Remember as a kid, we no. used to do the orange slices or whatever. It might not be a necessity. You know, mm -hmm. if your glycogen levels, your carb stores in your muscle cells are, are fairly high and, and you've eaten good meals before the game, yeah. you know, you've eaten your... Uh, you know, sweet potato, your yam, your cassava. We say, you know, the island culture has that strong man food, right? Yeah. A power food. And that's because some of those things are, those complex carbohydrates give you the, the best bang for your buck. You're getting your micronutrients and you're getting your carbs. proper fuel. Yeah. So uh, I do that as well and make sure for me personally, like protein, everyone's going to have their opinion on what kinds of protein. I like my lean cuts of uh, fish. Mm -hmm. I do salmon, cod. Um, and uh, rainbow trout, those are the three fish that I primarily stick to. I have some shrimp here and there, and then chicken and turkey breast. I keep it simple, and I just keep rotating. So I make sure I always have my things on deck. Yeah. You ain't gonna ever find me without a day without having my dark berries, my pomegranates, my bananas. Those are my fruits. Mm -hmm. Later on in the day, I'm gonna have a little bit of a grain, and I'll have my nut butters and my nuts, and in my dinner time, I'm going ham on the vegetables and my protein. But I like to separate that last meal. I, I, I found personally, following the herbal pathway that I follow, I found that having vegetables and protein together in the evening and kind of keeping the carbs away from that meal is important for my digestion. So okay. that's just a digestive tip. 
That's huge. You know, not mixing everything in together because of yeah. the timing and the absorption of those foods. Mm -hmm. That's something I've learned that works best for me. But again, you'd have to experiment. There's no uh, specific medical advice. There you, you heard it here, folks. That was a wicked just kind of uh, explanation of certain dietal tips and what works for you. And you touched on it. It's the importance, right, of finding out what works for you, each individual and their diet. But of course, there's certain things that are just good fuel and your body needs, especially we, for athletic performance. I want to touch on one thing. Go on. I don't want to be vague, but I always want measurables. So mm -hmm. when people say what works for you, or when I say, talk, say what works, I want to be able to measure that. Yeah. Body fat is one way that I can measure that, but it's not the only way. Has my lean mask gone up? How do I feel in the morning when I wake up? Am I energized? Mm -hmm. Right? After a game, do I feel like I'm getting muscle cramps? Right? Or am I able to recover for the next morning? Right? Right? How do I feel when I sleep? Am I bloated, right? Is there gas being passed, right? You gotta look at how is the body functioning on a whole. And that's kind of when you can really tell what's working. But unless you measure that and you look at that consistently and track it, I used to do food logs. That's I was just gonna say a log, you pay attention to that. I stuff. used to do that more. I used to weigh out my food, do food logs. Now I have a good handle on what my body needs and I like to keep it consistent. Does it mean I can't eat out? No. I'll go out here and there with some of my friends and, you know, family. We'll do some different events. But that's the one-off. Mm -hmm. If I know that 95% of my nutrition is within these realms and I like the... F I actually genuinely enjoy the food that I eat. Mm -hmm. People are like, oh, don't you get tired eating the same foods all the time? I'm like, no. I actually like that food. It you tastes like good it. to me. Like, yeah. it agrees with my body. Why would I get tired of it? I actually find it more difficult sometimes going out those, those areas of, you know, structure that I have. Yeah, because yeah. then when I experiment, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't feel good with this, or it doesn't agree like with me as much. Your body doesn't feel good after that. Yeah, right? so I mean, it could be something that you know, when you're on the go, you can eat out, you can have takeout. You know, you went to the mall. It's Christmas time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you look at, oh, I need a quick, quick meal, but you know, you got options. Mm -hmm. You can have that deep fried food, or you can look for a lean piece of meat that's grilled. Healthy option, right? right? With some vegetables or whatever you eat. Yeah. I want to touch on a few things, just kind of debunking a few myths or certain areas within that we hear about, you know, so this is a recovery technique, ice bath. Um, I know you're an advocate of cold training and cold baths and things of that nature. I want you to just touch on the importance of that or what benefits a player can take from that. All right. So let me jump into the recovery technique uh, field here. So when we talk about recovery techniques, um, I'm going to start with active movement, all right? So mm -hmm. rest may make you feel better, but it's not necessarily going to make you better. All right, that comes from Clance Laidler again at LPS. I thought that really stuck with me in my heart. When I okay. interned with him initially, he said that, and then I became one of his senior coaches. I really looked at myself and said, hey, you know, I'm the type that always is on the go. I'm always training. Yeah. There's no training gaps, always training. That's one thing that's beautiful in the type of training that we do is that it's consistent training. So outside of that training, in order to recover, then I got to look at, okay, there are other methods. I do cold exposure every day. I actually got into that due to Wim Hof, right? A lot of people have heard about the Wim Hof method and doing deep breath work breathing, and breathing. Yeah. So I wanted to start focusing on things that I can do to enhance my breathing and improve my airways and improve how I felt psychologically and how I could stay calm in moments. I found breathing helps, but cold is just another stimulus. And when you add that stimulus, what happens naturally when you get cold? What do you see when people get cold? They shiver. Yeah. Which means that they're not breathing. So they hold their breath. So you got to learn to breathe under that kind of mm -hmm. 
it, it's it's an uncomfortable situation. It's a to mental be in, right? battle, I bet. Yeah, it's an uncomfortable body, physical battle and a mental one. Yeah. It's both, right? The body is like, oh, this is a stimulus right now. It's shocked. But what do you do under shock? You have to be able to regain control of your body. So I think breath work and cold exposure allow me to do that. From a scientific standpoint, I do like contrast work and ice heat, ice heat. Basically, you're going back and forth between the two. For recovery? For recovery to, again, it's shown, again, different studies that it can improve blood flow to areas, improve nutrient delivery, mm-hmm. can help speed up some of the processes. How long in each? Uh, we used to do, I know in the, at Toronto FC, it was five minutes on, five minutes off. Heat, okay. cold, heat, cold. They would do it for about half an hour. Okay, so right. maybe after So they would jump in an ice bath for five minutes, do their deep breath work in that ice bath or in a cold bath, and then go right into, let's say, a sauna or, or apply some heat directly on the joint. Mm. And then you go right back into applying either ice or get in the bath. This is post-training, post-match. They used to do it post-training, yeah. You wouldn't want to do it too much uh, prior to training. I feel like it's one of those things that, again, it is a a mental... uh, It puts you into a mental test. And you want to do that after you've gotten all your work done. Right. Um, So that's one area that I found beneficial. But I would say that adding just ice to the joints after an injury or just to kind of talk about that... Adding ice directly after being injured, let's say on a specific joint, you see that inflammation. Yeah. It actually doesn't speed up the recovery process. It can actually hinder the recovery process so by only applying ice. So if you twist your ankle yeah. and you go directly put ice on it, that's not necessarily going to speed up the recovery If you're looking process. at stopping that inflammation in that moment just to get the inflammation a little bit under control in yeah. that time, yeah. it may help, especially with pain. Because okay. your perception on pain may be great at that time. Mm-hmm. Especially once you take your boot off or something, right? Yeah. You're going to start feeling, okay, I, I feel like this might be some intense pain after a little while when you try to walk on it and the adrenaline wears off from the game or the match. 100%. So it might help in that way, but it's not actually going to speed up the recovery from a biological standpoint. It's actually going to slow it down. Really? Because inflammation is the body sending markers and signals saying, hey, there's something wrong with this area. Like, let's get this together. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're freezing that. If freezing that, it's basically reducing the blood flow to the area. Wow. So what would you suggest instead? Just allow it, just leave in it. So a lot of people think rest, just leave it or no, the progressive amount of mobility and movement that you can create at that joint. Mm -hmm. But again, I would wait that for initial 24 hours just to see kind of what the situation is. Do I need to take it to a further point? Maybe something is broken or damaged. We might need alternative methods in terms of even uh, getting surgery, et cetera, if the, if the tendons are ruptured, et cetera. There's certain things that the body will need assistance to heal from. Why but is that a 24 hours so important? Because I noticed it with injuries too. You Maybe a muscle strain. I've had a lot of muscle strains. And in the moment, you're like, oof, okay, I feel it. And then it's to the next day where you're like, you could analyze really how bad or how, you know, how deep it was. So why is that 24 hours so important? I mean, I don't recommend self-assessment to the general public because they might not know what's going on. Right. So it's good to get that looked after by a certified professional immediately. The sooner, the better. Because they can tell yeah. you with imaging, especially if you're a pro athlete or aspiring to be and you're in a top academy, you'll have those individuals to be able to assess what's causing pain at the root level. Yeah. And once you know what's going on there, then you can start coming up with a plan to recovery. Yeah. All right, you need that. When It's <laughs> like, just like player development. In order mm-hmm. for a player to get to this end point or the goal, there's steps. There's steps. Same thing with recovery. You get injured... Ideally, we, what we do is we get the athlete ready so they're not injured, but injuries will happen in sport. You won't stop all injuries. Yeah. Okay? We try to avoid 
having uh, our athletes get it, the non-contact injuries. We strengthen their bodies for that way. But you're gonna have certain injuries like contact injuries, etc., that are gonna cause some damage to the specific sites of injury. And you gotta know how to recover. I've worked with individual athletes. I've worked with goalkeepers at Toronto FC with torn uh, ACLs in my time there. Get them from that moment that they tore their ACL to back on the pitch. I've seen that. Mm. I've worked with step by step process. I've seen players that tore their hamstrings or had hamstring or muscle tissue damage, quad injuries, rolled ankles, all of that, and see what they need to do step by step by step, working in conjunction with the medical department and staff. I think it's important that we look at working as a team. I'm not a doctor, mm-hmm. but I have a great awareness and understanding of what strength training methods need to be employed in order to get that athlete stronger. Yeah. Even if they're in a, let's say, a broken state or a damaged state. From there, we work together. We look at you know what their medical needs are on top of their strength and conditioning needs. Mm-hmm. Put that together, and then it's up to the athlete. Are you taking you care? Yeah, are you doing the basic movement? You want to move. Movement heals, right? Mm-hmm. That's why we keep saying that. Movement, that's what I studied. Kinesiology, it's more than the study of mu- human movement. But that's the major element. There's other, obviously, sociological factors, yeah. cultural influences, a lot of different facets to kinesiology. But movement is a big one in biomechanics. You know, understanding how the lines of the body work. We have different lines. I'm a fascial stretch therapist. I mentioned that earlier. We look at how the body is propelled through space. We're basically organism propelled through space through certain fascial lines, contractions of full lines of tension and muscles. All right. So acupuncture, massage, these are all great things. If you're finding the right professional that knows and understands your body. Yeah. You know, using things like Normatec compression pants. Gladiator compression pad. These are things that I've used and I found them beneficial in helping speed up recovery, whether it's at the knee joint, at the hip ankle, right? They have this technology that, you know, even the hyper hyper volts, the vibration massage guns. I talk to the sports doctors that I work with, along with looking at things like heat release onto joints, right? There's a lot of great technology out there, but I think it's never going to beat your strength strength and conditioning principles and how you train. Yeah. Things like saunas are great. You know, heat shock proteins being activated and stimulated post-workout using the sauna. They say certain heavy metals can only leave the body through that high temperature sauna or heat. Mm. Right? We do things like myofascial release. So, you know, foam rolling and trigger point methods and teaching the individual athlete how they can maximize their active mobility. You know, at the joints. The calves are feeling tight, coach. Mm-hmm. Oh, my back is tight or I'm not able to move. Okay, there's certain reasons why the body creates tension to create anchors. Those anchor points of the body saying, I don't want to move this way because this is how I'm holding your structure. Think of like a dome. You, put, you poke a dome, what happens? Or, or let's say even like a, a water bottle. You squeeze it, what happens? It starts getting dented up. In different areas. In different areas. That's the body. It's a structure. It has a structure mm-hmm. and integrity. That's what we call posture. Yeah. Right, has a, an optimal posture. Yes, it's dynamic, stat, posture is not just static, but our body works in certain ways where we're trying to maintain its, its integrity. And using these techniques will help speed it up. I didn't get into ointments and tiger balm and things like that, but a lot of what people think they need is just ways to suppress pain, mm-hmm. right? Pain sucks, right? You're an athlete, you're going through pain on the field, etc. There's ways to get your body to process less pain signals but is that really getting rid of what the issue is no and then you get in the habit of continually using that technique and it's not really you become helpful. dependent on it yeah right 100%. but you're not actually taking care of the issue and i think that's kind of where 
I'm so passionate. You talked about earlier, like why are you passionate about SNC and strength and conditioning and fitness, mm. exercise, whatever you want to call it. I just want to make people better. I want the result for them. I want them to have the longevity on the field. Yeah. You talk about longevity, meaning like, you know, you see guys like Messi, Ronaldo, Modric, right? This Playing well, well into their career, Karim Benzema, Unreal. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You know, you can all name all the big names and all the non-big names. Right? There's a lot of older players that are still playing, but I think the one thing that they do is make sure that they have some consistency. I think outside of on-land training, the single most important thing that I found that helps in an athlete's recovery, I'm going to make a big statement here, is swimming. Swimming? Yeah. Okay. Swimming is low-level resistance yes. for the joints, taken through usually end ranges. <clears throat> for the hips, shoulders, and how that's connected to those chains that I was talking about, that's amazing for your body hydrotherapy or water-based therapy yeah. is heavily underrated so not just how your body feels but also longevity of it as well man like how many times have you gone to water and feel nice after feel the, amazing right? after swimming groin tensions etc yeah, yeah the body just really it's we do something on land called hip articulations or controlled articulations yes of uh of specific joints and that's when you take the joint through its range of motion and understand where your active end ranges are dynamically it's amazing and you're doing that naturally underwater the where the gravity is kind of you know reduced right yeah, yeah so it gives your body the ability to decompress naturally mm -hmm. especially the spine and everything is connected from the hips all the way down to the lower body from the hips all the way back up to the head yeah let me ask you this i want to go a bit into your background into kind of why now you do what you do so um your background in sports in soccer you were i'll let you tell it but you weren't uh, necessarily in an organized team structure that you see now so there's a lot of clubs that people get into and then follow this team structure right they're in the club they're in the team and they continue there throughout their adolescent years um, you weren't necessarily in that but now you've gotten a chance to get a taste of professional athletes and professional sports so how was it coming from that background to now being involved in professional sports my heart never lies to me. I always wanted to be involved in sport, period. Yeah. I didn't know which one until I got a little bit older. I, like I said, I played all, all the sports, ball sports in, in Canadian culture growing up. And I think my high school and elementary school has had a big effect. I worked with Ajax Warriors uh, soccer club um, when I was younger, probably when I was under 15, between the ages of 10 to 14. I had a cousin on the team and my uncle was a coach, you know, due to financial situations and and things like that. I was unable to really be a registered member of the squad, but I mm -hmm. used to go to practices and train with the team and see kind of really what it was all about. What does it mean to be on a team and what the consistency in the trainings look like in terms of every morning we got to wake up and do this and you know show up to these games and travel. I never really played the matches. I wasn't part of the league, but just being around it as an observer, it was something that kind of like, hey, I want to I wanna explore this more maybe as I get older. Got into my high school years, and like I said, I fell, into with, I fell in love with, with sports by being a co-op kind of education uh, assistant teacher to uh, Mr. Parfit. All right, I, oh, did okay. that, I did that in my co-op for grade 12 and 11, mm -hmm. 11 and 12, and I basically was helping set up gym class. So I would run the gym class with Mr. Parfit there. Kind of coaching already. Yeah, I didn't even know it. He yeah. would say, hey, Mo, like, this is, uh, sounds like, you know, something that you want to do is learn about strength and conditioning and learn about fitness. So I had two, actually, two mentors. One was Stan Zogas. He was a wrestling coach. He actually brought Olympic gold to Canada. 
I didn't wow. know. I was finding out about this at the time. Yeah. I was just happy to help out in any way. So I remember getting athletes on the mats and seeing how they move and being part of the classes there. So having these mentors was key for me because it kind of allowed me to reattach myself to sport. Once I graduated from high school, I went into engineering and I realized quickly that that wasn't for me. It wasn't for you, right? I went into nanotechnology engineering. That's what I first started at at University of Waterloo. And I just realized I just didn't like it. You know, it was something that I won't say was pressured onto me, but it was something that, you know, it was an expectation maybe for myself at a young age to, you know, mm -hmm. get into those fields. But my heart wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. I knew where my heart lies and it was in football and soccer and in sport in general. So I wanted to get back to that. So once I had my health concerns, I was like, how do I get back to that as, as soon as possible? Well, you know what? Let me start the route of being a personal trainer and learning about fitness. Because I think fitness is going to be across all sports. Yeah. Right? Athletic training, that's what we do. We work with athletes of all kinds. I work with athletes as young as seven, and I've trained individuals all the way into their 90s. All right? And these are, again, pro athletes, non-pro athletes, semi-pro rec. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of where I kind of fell in love with the game is by... You know, always being on the field as a kid, you're always out there, always getting touches on the ball. Yeah. The skill stuff is something that we work on every day. <laughs> I don't remember the last time, there was not a day that I recall that I didn't touch the ball. Right. Right. And that's a big statement. It's like the last time someone say, hey, when's the last time you, you, you didn't do anything for your exercise? I make a commitment every day to myself. I wake up, I'm doing something for my fitness today. Mm -hmm. I might be squeezing a hand grip uh, tool, right? And but squeezing a hand grip. I'm doing something for my fitness. I'm getting my breath work in. I'm getting my morning runs in. I'm just, you, you can never stop. And I think the key is that frequency. I think it's a missing piece that a lot of these younger athletes need to know. It's like, yes, you can train hard, train heavy. Yes, there's things like full range of motion that is still questioned. But I believe that that's the way to go because I've seen how it feels doing partial range of motion training yes, compared yeah. to full range of motion work. But, you're saying but that frequency, that yeah. consistency to do it over and over and over and over. The highest level athletes at our gym, they don't just train three times a week. No. How many workouts? Yeah, sometimes multiple times in a day. Two, three workouts a day. Right? Wow. Think about that. The highest level athletes are not training once a day, but they had to build up to that. It's not like they just did that next day. No, they built, yeah, yeah. They built that capacity to be able to handle more and more demands. The demands are repetitive over and over and over. By Every adaptation. day. Yeah, they've adapted to that. Mm -hmm. They're laughing when it comes mm -hmm. to the volume and intensity. The intensity is a dial and the volume is a dial. And we're playing with that. If the intensity is so, so high, naturally the volume is going to be a little bit lower or low. Yeah. If the intensity is not high, we're looking for repetitive power output and expression from our athletes over and over because they have to be able to do that. Yes. Yeah, in a sport in like soccer or football, yes. you got to be able to sprint. You got to be able to kick a ball. You got to be able to do a tackle anytime it's called upon. And it's for long periods of time sometimes, the running, the sprinting, you know, it's long duration. So 100%. I think that's where if, if, if athletes can understand their bodies at a young age, they'll see what their potentials are. For me, I was a naturally gifted endurance athlete. Mm -hmm. I ran marathons and when I was younger, Terry Fox runs in Canada. Yeah, I, I love that those. stuff. I did all that. But what I didn't understand by doing that a lot is that actually it did sap a little bit of my power and strength because I was so focused on the strength and endurance, yeah. the, the endurance side of things. But to look at power and, and speed and strength, it's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum of endurance and conditioning. So it's that, finding that sweet spot. 
So that's Bring what I've learned over together. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't want to just focus on my conditioning and I didn't want to just focus on my strength. Yeah. That's why when someone asks me, are you a strength coach or a conditioning coach or a skills coach, I tell them I'm a coach player. I coach and I play football. Yeah. But I really want to be immersed in strength and conditioning because that's where my specialty lies. I want to understand how to get stronger, how to become more conditioned for the position that I play. Right? You got to look mm-hmm. at your position. 100%. A goalkeeper is going to have different demands than, than, than a striker. Mm-hmm. than a defensive player naturally just yeah. their position is different the number of kilometers run like that's where again I got I'm very thankful I want to say that to the Toronto FC Academy and to the Toronto FC organization on a whole they exposed me to things like GPS metrics catapult like looking at the data systems and what the players ran the speed that they ran at hitting top velocities when they are injured when they are ready to come back I think some of the technology they have now in understanding player metrics is, is massive and these are just ways that sports scientists can use in conjunction with the medical department, in conjunction with the SNC team to really bring the athlete into the best position possible. Yeah. I want you to touch a bit just briefly on certifications and things that people can aim to attain to begin a career in strength and conditioning or you know, soccer training, something of that nature. So can you touch on your certifications? And then how would someone go about obtaining certain certifications to get to that? Okay, so when it comes to certification, that's like you showing, you know, what you're, what you're capable of doing potentially at the surface level. Very surface Okay, level. so if I'm a personal trainer, I say, okay, I'm certified to be a personal trainer in a local gym. I have the means that I've gone through, let's say, a weekend course. And I understand maybe certain principles that allow me to not now coach. Mm-hmm. But you still haven't created any results. You still haven't affected any bodies. It just gives you the ability to do that. It's like how driving. You need a driver's license to drive. Mm-hmm. You may know all about driving and you might be able to understand handling a car, but you can't go out on the road until you have your license. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I look at it that way. Is that is what gave me the foundation. I had a CanFit Pro certification and initially based on the, the gym or the club that wanted to hire me. Okay. When I first started out as a trainer. As a personal trainer. Yeah, I was more of personal training. I don't see myself as a personal trainer trainer anymore. No, but, that's strength and conditioning. but that's how I started. Yeah. But as an SNC coach now, I wanted again, further my learning, you always learning. So I took the certifications that mattered most to me. Mm-hmm. I had FST done on me. So I want to touch a little bit on fascial stretch therapy because I'm FST certified. And when I had that work done on my body from the Stretch to Win Institute, I showed up to a fitness conference and they asked for a volunteer. They're like, oh, who has tight hips? Or who? And I put my hand up and I was like, yeah, like I love to get some, some, some ex- like get, get an example of what it is or get a yeah, sample stretch. They got me on the table, boom, in five, 10 minutes, I was feeling like, oh, I'm moving like butter. Mm. Like things are feeling nice. So I signed up for the course. I was like, I need to learn this. This is some voodoo magic. Like I need, oh, I need nice. to learn this. What yeah. is this all about? And after I got into the course and they did that for a week, like we practiced on each other. I practiced on someone else. They practiced on me. We rotated. We practiced with instruct- instructors. Yeah. They did a test. I passed a test. From there, I got certified. Level one, level two. I'm a level two therapist. But after going through those weeks of, of basically testing on my body, I realized what it did for me. I'm like, hey, it created a freedom or it gave me a, a feeling of health that I never had before. And I wouldn't have known. But I just was interested in that way. Why? Because I wanted to move better. I knew if I moved better, I could strike a ball better. Right? So I think when it comes to the certification standpoint, go towards what you want. And if you want to move better and improve your biomechanics, there's certain courses that allow you to do that. 
Mm-hmm. I'm taking courses to this day. Yeah. I'm still taking a course right now and then looking at, you know, human movement and the potential human movement and where my asymmetries are in my body and how I can improve things like rotation. Right? Mm-hmm. So for a beginning coach or a beginning trainer, I think the certifications that you need would be dependent on where you're looking at working. Right? You can find a, a generic you know, ISSA, personal trainer certification, or NSCA, like you're going to find some national certs that will be a governing body. Like general. Yeah, for, for general fitness training. Right. But when you're looking at coaching, and for me, I wanted to work with athletes, I was like, how do I get there? So I started with kinesiology as my bachelor's degree. Yeah. Then I wanted to further pursue sports and dive into it more. But I also wanted internships. You're not going to learn unless you get experience. Mm, internships are huge. Internships right? are massive. And through University of Toronto, that's the only reason I went there yes. is because they offered internships. And I saw that one of the internships was Toronto FC and I wanted to work with a professional sports club. Yeah. I met with the dean. I would met with Dr. David Frost. He was a fantastic mentor that I had in University of Toronto. And they said, hey, Mo, like if you perform in, in your schooling and your education here at University of Toronto, these are potential opportunities. I made sure I put my best foot forward. I made it clear. I think clarity on what you're trying to get out of it is important around those those individuals. Yes. Regardless of where you are, you want that clarity and communication. And then from there, I ran with it. Got selected to become a, an intern. Once I did my internships, you know, the second internship they I had was at LPS Athletic. That's where I'm currently at now. So that's up to you, though. Once you get in there to make yeah. the most of the internship, right? You because put your foot in. You know, put your foot through the door. Yeah. Stay passionate. Stay curious never settle you know one thing uh my colleague my mentor and master head and head of strength and conditioning uh at lps his name is clance Layler. all right he worked with uh charles paulquin and paulquin performance back in the day and then created his own fitness facility i personally feel we're one of the top ranked facilities in the world Mm -hmm. all right so even though we're the the little guy in terms of the publicity and marketing or I feel like we have a lot that anyone in the world can benefit from because I've seen it with my eyes. Yeah, yeah. And once I've seen that, it's like I go to other places and I'm like, y'all have no You're not clue. getting that. Like, you just don't know. Mm. Like, I tell them. Like, you just don't have any clue of what's going on in here until you see it. Yeah. So that's on Instagram at LPS Athletic. Um, and we have our website as well. Uh, so that was one thing, too. I wanted you to plug in your social and then also the gym. Where can the people find you? Because I know you post a lot of valuable information on your socials as well. Yeah, I'm always easily connectable, right? My, my name is, uh, I go by Mo. Mm-hmm. It'll be M-O, simple, M-O at LPSathletic.com. There's no S on the end of it, so just LPSathletic.com. And your Instagram? My or? Instagram is simple. It's my last name, A-S-A-R-I, Asari. And then my first name, Mo, M-O-E. I just put the E on the end on yeah. that one. So at A-S-A-R-I-M-O-E. Sorry, Mo. Wicked, man. Look, listen, today you covered a lot of important topics, man. Added a lot of value. Um, Touched on diet. Touched on recovery. Touched on strength training and all the techniques involved in that. So I just want to thank you for coming on. This is my brother. Guys, check this episode. I know it's going to be, like I said, quite valuable to a lot of people looking to just not only get into the industry, but improve their game as a whole on a strength and conditioning level. So, yeah, my man. Yo, thanks for having me. This has been an honor, honestly. Like, you know, when I heard that you started off the Unlocked uh, Football podcast, uh, it meant a lot as a brother. Like I said, we've known each other for for quite some time. Um, But I'm super happy to be here. I would love to spill all my knowledge to the youth, you know, debunk some of these myths. 
my number one aim is always to get people better, mm-hmm. get my elevated circle up, and uh, no better way than taking care of people's health. And health is number one when it comes to sports. So let's 100%. keep doing what we do and influencing the young men. My man, and there's definitely and be a part two coming. Young men and women, all right? Let's, Everything, let's men clear. and women, yeah. that's right. Part two coming as well because a lot more information on the way. So guys, thank you. Unlocked. See you next time.